Welcome to Space to Grow, brought to you by Kachune Lube Kitchens Ireland. In this podcast, we explore how the spaces we inhabit shape us as individuals. I'm Natasha Rocca Devine. And I'm Lisa Cannon. In this episode of the Entertainment Series, we are thrilled to have award winning fashion stylist and TV host Brendan Courtney joining us in the Devlin to share his experiences with the spaces he's inhabited throughout his life and his career. Without further ado, it is Brendan himself. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you to be coming. here. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a delight. Pure luxury. This is a good space. <laughs> I'm very happy in this space. <laughs> Thank you. You were saying we're like the French flag. We're you know? like the French flag. <laughs> Chiller girls. I like that. You're working ice cream, cigarettes. <laughs> exactly. It's so exactly. nice in here. Yeah. A cinema room all for you. Now, of course, speaking of entertainment, we've been seeing you and hearing you, more importantly, on the radio over the last couple of months. It's been a whirlwind. Um, are you enjoying it? Yeah, so I started covering Radio 1 about a year ago, like March 22. So so people sort of did notice a little bit, but didn't really. And then, of course, there was a, a couple of bumps in the road and I was brought in quickly to cover more. So myself and Oliver Callan cover one. But then I started covering for Ray at three o'clock on Radio One. And um, they said, touch, touch wood, yeah, it's going well. And I like the cover and th- that's all it is. And no matter what the outcome is, I, I have a, a two year contract to cover on one. So I love going in for two or three weeks, enjoying the buzz of it. And then going off and going back to well, my life. When you came in, you just came in for a quick cup of tea uh, beforehand and somebody stopped you and they're like, oh, I love hearing you on the radio. I mean, you know, we do there. love your voice and obviously everything you do and you're so full of energy and uh, people cherish that, someone who they can relate to on the radio. Do you enjoy when people come up to you and say, I love hearing you I, on I, the I'm always very grateful wireless. because I think it takes, like if I once stopped uh, Morgan Freeman on, on Stephen's Green. He was with a load of a family, I think. And I went, oh my God, Driving Miss Daisy is one of my favourite films. Can I have an autograph and he said no uh. and, I, and at the time autographs was controversial right and I, and I remember thinking it took real guts to ask Aww. him for that so anytime somebody stops you to, to give you a compliment, yeah, it's a compliment. You, you just have to be it takes nerve to do that, yeah. you know. Especially so. if they're polite. If, yeah, they yeah, yeah. I mean, some people like to tell you they don't like you so much. Well, <laughs> rarely, but sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rarely, rarely. Yeah. Some people say, I like you, but I really, I prefer her or him or whatever, but that's okay. That's yeah. part, part, part of parcel of it. It is, it yeah. is, it is. So you were on TV for Off the Rails and then you moved into fashion design. So was that really daunting for you? It was a huge transition. Mm. So well, I was, uh, what you're doing on your side of the mic, and I was interviewing designers as part of the clothes show when you yeah. did expose you remember yeah, what's your right. and I found myself with space in the evenings I was the, the myself Louise Redknapp and Karen Franklin presented the clothes show and I, I found myself sort of I want, I want to know the truth about making garments and my mother was a seamstress and I understood clothes manufacture but not design so I went back and studied design for three years at night in Central St. Martins which is now London College of Fashion so I actually studied it so when we did off the rails and and we talked about not being able to find certain garments we wanted in sizes or fabrics or shapes we kind of we we should just go and make them and I remember walking through one particular high street which is a very successful one which is now gone you can figure it out and looking at the cheaply made clothes that were really selling really really well and thinking we can fill a gap here we can make better quality clothes so that's that was kind of natural progression for me also, I wanted to develop a product that wasn't my face or my voice because that you can only be one place at one time as a yeah, presenter. Absolutely. And I wanted something that didn't need me all the time so I could still earn money and earn a living, you know, because it's such a... 
precarious industry we work in. You're on and you're off. Yeah, you're in and you're out, you know. Yeah, and I've never been contracted yeah. to any broadcaster. So I repeat, I've never been contracted to any <laughs> broadcaster. This, this podcast is great. I think it's getting people new kitchens. It's getting people contracts. Yeah, no, no, I, I mean in that I've always been freelance. So I've never, of course. I've never been paid a day's holiday pay in my life. So when no, I'm on holiday with Adam, he got, I'm like, see that cocktail? That's costing me three times what it's costing you. The opportunity cost, I'm actually paying for it. And the fact that I'm not working. So, well, yeah. th- that makes me shoot right in with the fact that you have to hustle. Yeah. Right. So if you're a freelancer, um, we talked a little bit with Deirdre O'Kane about this. It's like, you know, you're always playing it forward about your next gig. So obviously we know you've so many strands to your bow presenting and fashion designing. But what are you thinking about next? Because you're thinking, oh, my God, i got to pay my rent. i got to, you know, you're doing a renovation. We'll talk about that later on. You need to find the money to do it. So how do you pay it forward then? So I was, I did have a full-time job in Tyrone Productions in 1996-7. As a, I, I toured at Riverdance as a production assistant. Not with my eye on the television, the, the, the house across the garden was where Tyrone was. But we were in Elm Productions doing Riverdance. And I really wanted to get into television. And I was like 20, 21 or whatever. And uh, I worked in there for two years and I, I got a job as a researcher on Open House and it was just six months contract mm-hmm. and the managing director of Open of, of Tyrone Productions Joan Egan who's no longer with us who was a, my great mentor I, I said oh I'm giving up holiday pay and I'm giving up you know a pensionable job and she was like just jump in you'll be fine you'll freak out for the first few months but then and it's true you know I, fortunately or unfortunately I don't have children so I don't have a massive mortgage so it's all, you're always grand you know you're always, <laughs> you'll it, feed always yourself. it always works yeah, out right yeah. so um, and once you get used to that the, the ducking and, and diving and yeah, up and yeah. down it, it's actually becomes less pressure I think as you get a little bit older a little wiser so I'm, I, I've stopped being afraid of the hustle now I've stopped being afraid of it. But they always say that when you when you put it out like the law of attraction, if you put out stress and anxiety and pressure and panic, you don't attract it back. No. So the more you're like that, actually, weirdly enough, the more work you get. So you know, That's and obviously true. on top of talent, and yeah, all of yeah, the rest. that that is true. If you're chilled about something, people want to be around you. It kind of comes yeah. towards you a little more. But no, there is a hustle underneath as well. I suppose I I I kind of like. I like to work less and less now. <laughs> I worked all go. the time when I yeah. was in my thirties and forties. I took, I said no. I never said no. I said yes, 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 yes. Well, always that's afraid. That's true. And whether you're doing interior design or you're, yeah, you're doing saying a bit yes, of yes, yes. Now sure. I say no. Now I take a month off, or you know, I'll take a weekend off and won't feel guilty. And actually, a big skill, a big maturing skill is is actually not being afraid to say no because other stuff does come. But when you're freelance and you're you're used to the hustle. Yeah. Yeah, you're terrified it's not going to come and as you said if you chill and relax it'll come yeah. it'll yeah. come I'm not that chilled I think it's actually a stage of life as well yeah. though you know it's when you're at, when you're in the start or mid late mid, yeah. mid part of your career you are you're hustling you're, yeah. you're selling you're proving you're selling you're proving so yeah it's tricky it's tough can we go back to your childhood <laughs> talk about we like to go back to people's childhoods in this podcast I had a white holy just... commun- I had a white holy community <laughs> suit just saying oh wow I was like a young Joe Dolan young Joe Dolan because everybody has a passion about entertainment when they're you know when they're small people like look at you know kind of the stars on the screen whether it's fashion icon or an actor um, I did for sure you know I had my own favourite presenter so how did it all start for you where did the kind of grow for TV and radio presenting and fashion come in so the the scientific or the the medical answer to that is my parents were unemotionally available to me as a child so I went out into the world looking for approval from others and that's why you become an actor or a presenter right Right. so that's the kind of that's the therapised version of it but I was actually in I was in Dublin New Theatre from the age of 13 
my English teacher was like, okay, you're a little show off, go into Gardner Street. And I take the bus on my own from Tala and go into Gardner Street. And it was 90p on a Saturday and it was in a building on on Gardner Street. And amazing people like Colin Farrell was in W Theatre. Lots of actors you would know came through the doors of W Theatre. Philly McMahon, the director, came through W Theatre. And I was a little bit ahead of them and I was in W Theatre from that for six years till 19 years. You had to leave at 19 because it was W Theatre. Yeah, but yeah. that kind of, we did we did performances and plays and we did everything from stage hand to stage direction to music direction to acting all the way across. It was an amazing thing to be part of and it was literally, it was for not, not disadvantaged children but it definitely wasn't a privilege. You had to audition to get in and I auditioned I got in. So that entertainment side of things came definitely from there and then I auditioned for the second year of Trinity of theatre studies in Trinity College I did that did you go for it did you do it yeah I did it I didn't I I, I didn't I threw it I didn't do it I got terrified of it yeah I was only 16 when I did my leaving search yeah Okay. I was very young, so, um, but uh, W Theatre sort of put cemented that in me. And also, my mum used to do amateur theatre when we were kids. I remember I'd go to every single show and sit up the front, you know, in the local Aww. community centre. So I loved the idea of all of it. I don't know what the lights, you know, the attention, lights, whatever camera, it was. Yeah. Action, yeah. yeah. So, was designing and stage and colour like always, like, was that influenced by that? You know, so yeah. seeing people on stage. Definitely. So, my mother is a hairdresser, was a hairdresser, and then became a psychotherapist. Same thing, just no scissors. And as she <laughs> okay, says, right? Exactly. But she was a seamstress, so there was always there was always a, a, a sewing machine on the go. And she taught yeah. me to sew when I was oh, about wow. eleven. And so uh, talented. Uh, so well, she just well, it was practical. So what, they're very working class family. So if you wanted a new top on a Saturday night, she made it. You know that's kind of how it worked. Mm-hmm. There was always patterns. But she made my sister's wedding dresses, and she made the bridesmaid dress, and my grandmother made my eldest sister's wedding dress. So oh, that was a big part of yeah. our growing up. Fabric everywhere things like the fabric getting lost in the boot of a car you know all this kind of yeah. dra- the drama that went when the making the dress and yeah. the, the crying and the late nights of making the dress and then the dress would be amazing so that the I suppose the actual the process around creating a garment was very much there from the from when I was a baby yeah so that was really instilled in me and then I designed my first dress when I was about 11 I designed a knitted flat knitted flapper dress that my aunt knit and my mum wore to my sister's wedding and I have the dress actually wow. I'll send you a picture of it yeah I'm going, so to frame, I'm going to frame it. It's a gorgeous dress. It's oh, like a, it's like a halter neck, flat silk knit wool. So it kind of looks a bit woven and it's quite deep here and it's backless. And then it goes down to about here and it's got like foot long fringing all the way around. My, and it's cream. It's off white. My, <laughs> what one? My mother wore it to my sister's wedding. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 Natasha's going to talk about space because obviously we're here to talk about your space to grow. But actually it's such a fluid word, yeah. isn't it? Because obviously we can talk about um, spaces to grow and what will have challenged you. But I I suppose growing up, um, you know, what was your bedroom like? I mean, if you were that creative when it came to garments and making things for your family, you know, did you have posters on your wall? Was it painted black, green, red? I only remembered this when we were chatting earlier on. So when I was 12, I took up the carpet in my bedroom floor. I had the, I had the box room, a tiny oh, thing, I right? <laughs> I took up the carpet and I painted everything in the room black and white. I painted the floorboards black. I painted the skirt more black, walls white. And I bought black and white striped things. I bought black and white striped uh, duvet so cover. Stylish. And just yeah. everything black and white. And my, the, the effect of the floorboards, my mum liked it so much, she took up all the carpets in the bedrooms and stained all the floorboards long before people did that. Because yeah, yeah. we had lovely floorboards. It was a yeah. new enough house. So, um, and my little, I, I used to, act like my little bedroom was my little apartment and I had a little travel kettle and I had, I had a fake sink that my dad gave me that didn't even wasn't plumbed like and I had Aww. and really oh, hilarious I photo yeah, oh god no but my mom went to 
one shopping trip ever, ever, ever. She wouldn't be into it. But she went on the boat to Argos. Remember people did that? Yeah. Or yeah, 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 took the ferry and she took out the Argos catalogue and said, pick something. And I said, that's stereo. So it was a stereo in a big black cabinet. And she's a tiny little woman and she lugged this stereo back oh. and it arrived and it was flat and it was a stereo cabinet she bought me. No stereo. No stereo. So we put the cabinet together so I had a little objet in it like a little cabinet in the corner of the bedroom. I mean, it was the gayest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> like, as it little, sounds amazing. It was amazing but it was pretty gay. <laughs> Pretty gay but stylish yeah. though. Yeah. But, uh, and, and my friends, I always remember my, the look of confusion on my friends' faces going, what's going on with your bedroom? I just got really into it. Did it all myself, yeah. Well, and I'm, how nice of my, cool of my parents to let me do it. So you're very stylish and you're very fashionable. Do you see an overlap with fashion and style? I mean, they were always considered two and one of the same thing, yeah. but they're not. People say they like fashion. They like shopping. It's a different thing. Fashion is, is a kind of another theatrical, ethereal world that is very interesting. It involves trend. And, and people who go in shopping, it's not the same thing, right? Where style is is just a state of mind I think and um, ultimate style I think for me is being completely comfortable in your own skin and, and how you dress means that you're really comfortable in your own skin so they, I've evolved very much so I remember being about 27 28 years of age doing clothes show I think I was and just saying to me, I can't wait to not care I can't wait to not care because I was obsessed I would iron everything like my first presenter gig right we'd have to say six changes because we had six occasions but okay. I'd have I'd have different socks different shoes different trousers Stop. different because t- I didn't understand so I'd have a full outfit for everything right so I had to learn my own style and my own and get comfortable in my own skin and now I, I'm I mean uh, like people say to me what's your what's your number one tip and I was like if you don't know what to wear wear navy <laughs> oh that's a good one yeah that's a really, really good, good one yeah, it's lo- navy. yeah it's it'll always color. it's a bit deeper than black on screen as well it's a bit more warm on Irish skin and it's easy to wear <laughs> I love it there's a style tip right yeah, there yeah. Um, you know I feel embarrassed because I've got my sliders on you know and you think when you're doing a podcast with Brendan Courtney I'm you wearing runners be, oh that's okay then and here <laughs> yeah. I am on my sliders and you're feeling embarrassed because you're thinking oh my god I should have you know no. but at the end of the day I don't care either yeah. I love that I don't care style but um, you know you drop to hint there about the UK and I'd love to touch on that because you did build a huge career in the U- United Kingdom not only with Louise Redknapp that you mentioned with the clothes show but it's difficult isn't it as an Irish presenter to kind of break that mould into the UK how did you find that at the time? So I was I was lucky in that I was kind of airlifted over I just had a, a go- so there was a woman amazing woman called Christine who came to Ireland to produce who wants to be a millionaire and it was in Tyrone Productions and I was doing my show Wanderlust my late night dating show which I owned and we sold that to about 19 countries so I had a great start to my television career and I was camp and bold and cheeky that was my persona kind of somewhere between James Patrice and James Cavanagh I mean I was that, like that funny bold cheeky very innuendo ladle they were actually a bit cleaner than I was much bluer than them actually which I you were blue which I, I remember which I, which I regret I'm not proud of but that's what gay humour was at the time in a way and not that I was trying to I was very out at home. I mean, like, being out on screen was not a stretch for me at all because I was, like, in my mid-twenties then and I was out anyway. So this woman, Christine, took a shine to me and introduced me to this incredible agent in the UK and, and like, within two months I was presenting at and Dex Saturday Night Takeaway. Wow. And then I did Blind Date with Scylla Black. I did the, all the ITV2 shows and they were flying me over every weekend and then I relocated. So I had this weird start because I met this really incredible woman, Christine, who was friends with this agent who signed me. And then I did the... the, the faithful mistake of getting too big for my boots and I left that agent and went to a crappy agent and blah 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 and of course Brendan you mentioned some great names there Ant and Deck you know we'd love to find out more but of course Scylla Black 
need I say anymore? So Scylla uh, was funny because I, I presented the ITV2 show. So straight after Blind Date on a Saturday night, they go to our studio and myself and this presenter called Sarah Kaywood. And Sarah had the same colour hair as Scylla. And Sarah had been in, had done the girly show with Denise Van Outen and it was doing quite well. Yeah. And Sarah was very hot, like a really Kylie Minogue, hot little pocket rocket and great presenter. And Scylla never remembered Sarah. But <laughs> I would always say... Hello, Brendan, and say, and you, and she'd go, it's Sarah. She just never remembered her, which is always quite funny for me. Um, and we did that, we did two seasons of that, and we were in the elevator with her coming down to the floor. They get the presenters for makeup when she claimed that her husband appeared to her in that elevator and told her to resign that night. We were in the elevator with her. I didn't, I didn't see him, but just, <laughs> just <laughs> I was going to say, Scylla Black. Yeah. I met her actually. I worked for the BBC for a couple of months. When I, I had an agent in London actually years ago and I worked there for a couple of months um, on the Alan Titchworth show backstage. Oh, yeah, he's nice. Right. She, he's lovely. Yeah. And just randomly, I had an agent. She was like, oh, you'll meet loads of people. And I just, she came in one night. She was a hoot, yeah. I say. She was amazing. She always drank a full bottle of champagne before she went live. Why not? What? Yep. Is that well uh, known? That, that was well known. I don't know. I've never seen her drink it, so I, it's just hearsay for me. But people would say, yeah, she has a bottle of champagne before she goes down. I'd be on my ear. Yeah, imagine. Don't maybe she had a glass. Maybe I had a few glasses before I did this. <laughs> oh, who knows? We'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> Thank you for the generosity of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Irish presenter, you know, in the UK, and of course, there's more now. You know, Evangelist Scanlon over there, of course, doing also a, a home program. Um, but I don't think we're as represented in the UK as we would like to be. But um, do you think that can change? Would you like to see more Irish in, in that so market? So I, I was, I still, I still do work with BBC Radio London, which is great and and fun. My heart's in Ireland now, uh, very firmly, and COVID kind of cleared that up for me. I had a small home in Dub- in London. I sold it last November. I got rid of it. I had it since two thousand four or five, mm-hmm. and uh, it just felt like going back in time a little bit to me, going back to London all the time, and also because it's so divided politically as well on many on many issues. Um, it kind of it, it was a little uncomfortable for, to be there for a while. I was at dinner a few times with friends and families and their families, and I'd mentioned Brexit, and they'd all go stony quiet, mm-hmm. and my mate would go, "Don't the family's divided on the, you know?" So they had a couple of divisive issues and. I used to say to people, like, we are, we're the lords of divisive issues. We've come through two really, well, we've come through four, but two in recent history, terribly divisive referendums, and we survived. Yeah. So yeah. we actually know how to tolerate and listen, and it's, it's interesting where Ireland's going now. But currently, Ireland is the best place in the world to live. And I really love it. I mean, it's expensive, but, it is, it, but yeah. I love our climate. I, I do, even though it's rainy. I love it. It's easier to work in. And I love the people. I think Ireland is a really magical place to live in. And having lived in London and London towards the end of my full time life there, which was 2000 and. 10 I think it just got really lonely it got really isolating I, lonely, I felt it really lonely, lonely. Yes, and, and there's no there, no yeah. spontaneity you yeah. had to schedule it was everything it very scheduled exactly and, and that's what, I miss that yeah well. so and people were lovely but it took effort yeah it and I, fans, you know yeah. I'm 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 50 too and uh, I know I'm do great do not whatever. look at you look fabulous I, 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 I don't mind I'm, age is a wonderful gift isn't it, isn't um, it? but isn't also it? London is a, is a young person city it's a fast city and it's, it's, it's an intolerant city of people who want to walk slowly <laughs> you know so <laughs> yeah. I, I want to be by the sea I want to be up a mountain I have different priorities now when I first moved to London I'd I, I come home I used to say that I've come home this is where I belong but I was 30 
you know, I was 31. It was exactly where I where should you be. Need to be. And then I, and now I, that's not where I want to be anymore. And it's, it's acknowledging that and knowing where you want to be. And different spaces in different time spaces, in your life. Yeah, yeah. And now you're in Ireland. So how do you, like it is, it's wonderful here, but it is a small pool. So how do you keep creating? Like what's your, what's you just, your way? You just forward? have to, you just have to. That's the only thing. But the, the brilliant thing is when I started out, I had to hire a crew and I was, uh, 20, 20, 21 and I had to hire a crew and an editor to do my first showreel and it cost me £500 so it took, cleared out my savings right, right. So, so it meant that if you were willing to go that extra mile or you, and you weren't from a wealthy family you, you, were, you put yourself ahead of the game by creating funny things like I made my CV into a newspaper cover saying RTE okay. finds new star and that's how I put my CV into RTE <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, so I did really inventive things now with the democracy, yeah, yeah, with the democracy, yeah. <laughs> just put the axe on your own career. Oh, there. Damn it! <laughs> but for the and also the other thing about I'm very much about supporting others of coming course, up behind you. And there's a lot of people ladder up, pull the ladder up. Not at all. All ships rise because with content, the democratization of the internet has meant that there's there's an insatiable desire for content. There's loads of opportunities for you and I to connect with the audience that doesn't involve traditional television, that doesn't involve traditional media, we doesn't involve earlier, actually, it's, fa- yeah. it's fabulous time to want to be a presenter now or a content creator, I think, because you can just start yourself now. And that would have been a completely different ballgame for me. You know? And I think it's, it is changing massively. Also, people holding on to the reins. I mean, we, we said this great, you know, like with print, television, radio the gatekeepers are still there but the walls are down mm. you know so the, wall, the world is changing massively and it's an exciting place to be now I think in, in terms of space because obviously the name of the programme and podcast is Space to Grow so you know I've been lucky enough to be in your apartment and we, we talked on your own podcast podcast excuse me and it's it's about that sense of you know what does your personal space mean to you now you've just told us and we'll, we'll touch on it now that you are buying and purchasing another property and you're going to be renovating that as well so you've got two spaces at the moment so where does home more feel like and how are you going to make that happen? Well interestingly and I'm only this is only coming to me now I like small spaces I like intimate spaces. I love a boat or a caravan. I love the feeling of like tiny things and I always did as a kid. Like and I bedroom. think like yeah, my bedroom, <laughs> like 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 a clean tiny space. So I loved caravans as a kid. I loved the dinky little way that they would do clever design to come. Really clever. Really yeah, clever. Really that, clever. That, yeah. I love that. So I realized like if I won the lottery tomorrow I wouldn't buy a big house. I don't really? have yeah, I only have two bedrooms, maximum three. Um, they're hard to manage. More bedrooms, more guests. Yeah, I was going to say. More places to hoover. Yeah, I was just going to say more to clean And actually, I love the the compactness of a space. Now, my my apartment's a thousand square feet, so it's not a small apartment, but it's not a huge apartment. It's just a nice size, I think. It's a beautiful apartment. You can can go either end of the apartment. You can go into the spare room or you can go into the living. It's an open plan living area. But there is a little space that you could separate the two of you. Any more than two, it'd be crowded. You know, it's... it's, And you have a beautiful view of the city, of course. Yeah, no, I I mean, I I love it. But I was thinking, when I was looking at the house, so I'm probably going to sell the apartment in the long term, but this house came up and it was very cheap. It's a 1980s bungalow, but it's on a hill with a huge view of the bay and so it's wow. a sea view but it's really it's in bits like it's really bad it's so small the supporting walls support the roof so you can take out all the internal all the internal walls can come are, out are you going to do that? yeah 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 I'm going to completely reimagine it um, and in t- I'm going to take my time doing it I mean you know budgets are going to be tight building is really expensive now mm. so it's a long term yeah, it's it a long term yeah, project yeah. Um, and but I, you're doing it the right way you're planning I'm, and, and you're that's why I haven't sold the apartment and I'm going to rent a bit the other room maybe just to 
manage the budget somehow because as I said I'm freelance but we'll be fine we'll be fine yeah I think you have a free interior designer oh I'm on and all the brands I think I'm here Lisa (laughs) (laughs) and and all the brands listening there's a renovation happening yeah Yeah. and we can link up Hugh there's a lot there's a lot of overlap I think Deirdre Kane's getting a new kitchen Hugh Hugh knows about (laughs) it and uh, I was telling him about it he's like yeah 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 you're great and Lisa O'Brien is my QS do you know Lisa O'Brien from Room to Improve I think she's from and then Kieran is my architect, so I've actually had to bring an architect in, even yeah, though my brother-in-law idea. did their house, and he's he works in in, in software, but he he did it himself because they just extended the back of the kitchen and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm going to do a full a full gutted. Really? You don't feel worried. I mean, I you're actually, talking about concrete up your nose, late nights sweeping. So up I was rubbish. in. I was. I took two weeks away. <laughs> I took two weeks away and, and my partner who's originally from Poland kept saying to me are you having a middle life crisis I was like it's just mid but okay we'll go middle life crisis because I was like oh god am I mad taking on debt yeah. at this age you know and a mortgage when the, the you know I've been paying the other mortgage off for 20 years so it's come down considerably and now I'm going back into that where I'm at where I'm not going to be clear for a long time and then I sat with it for two and it, every time I think about doing it I get excited I don't get That's afraid That's a gut feeling you have Yeah to go it's my gut feeling it's, yeah, it's the right thing to do yeah. yeah, And I would be a bit I'd be a bit of people wouldn't think it of me but I would be a little bit frugal and a little bit unless everything's okay and safe I won't dive into something you know people would think I'd be a bit of a maverick I'm a bit cautious I would be a bit, particularly with money because you know we never know where it's coming from you never and, know and if I'm going to borrow um, but yeah, I've got a good friend who's also a really good financial advisor, and he was like, "Just do it, just for your grand." If you all goes tits up, sell the whole thing. <laughs> I was like, "All right, I like that. move home to my You're going to get free advice. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. I'm so excited. Yeah. And then obviously you are like, you know, you're obviously brilliant at fashion as well. So what's the most difficult thing about fashion design for you? Obviously, you'll, and I know that's going to work really well. For no, it's, it's 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 interiors are. So we are we we left our previous partnership last year and we took time out and sat with what we do and really interiors was really important to me particularly me I I you're reinventing the wheel of fashion every season and we had one season where we one year we did fourteen collections in one year and it was just it was too much right and because also the the woman who's a fan of what we do she wants something different to what she bought but not too different so you're trying to reimagine a, a. a tiny wheel that only moves a little part yeah. everything no it's fine you mostly get it right but often get it wrong but mostly we kind of have got we've kept that customer there so the fashion is gorgeous but now what we're going to do is it's just going to be two seasons a year it's going to be autumn winter like normal and spring That's summer really, good, really good quality but with the home where where it's my it's obviously my it's age Oh, it's just so exciting. Oh Colour and things, where? just things that you can keep forever. Is and this adding. an exclusive? Are we getting an exclusive? It, is, it probably <laughs> is a little, yeah. It probably is a little bit of an exclusive. Yeah, but homeware, yeah, we're doing homeware. Oh, um, so and it'll start small. It'll be, you know, as you can, cushion throws, candles, you know, and we're working with mango wood to make bowls and stuff like that, which is recycled. And oh, yeah, so, so it's, sustainability, obviously. It's hugely important yeah, to us yeah. as well. And, really, and Natasha's yeah. very much about that. Aren't yeah. You? And, so and we're all on a journey. Nobody's perfect. But as long as you have that now in your you're doing in, your best with in your manufacturing yeah. head. You can you yeah. ask the right questions now. We wouldn't even ask questions no. ten years ago. Yeah. Now, now you ask and go, "Where's that made? Who, what's the provenance of it? That gar or that fabric or yeah. that vessel? Is that, is it damaging the world or is it is it enhancing the world? And hopefully, what we will do will enhance the world. Mm. I'm so excited for your interiors. I'm excited about it too. I mean, you're also yourself and Sonia. You know, in the collaborations, you're always very good with diversity and inclusion yeah. as well. You always make sure. Um, that's a point and Natasha always said to me when we get Brendan on I want this to be in the questions yeah, oh yeah. brilliant yeah, we both did a masters in equality diversity and inclusion two years ago 
So I stumbled across this master's degree through a friend of mine who works in Trinity and I was I was styling her for something actually and she said how can I pay you I said she'd come and do a PhD and I was like no she said I love what that would you like? I said well I go because I was Ireland's first openly gay TV presenter corporates Google gay presenter and I come up and so they booked me to do these talks so I talked about marriage equality I talked about my experience in school I talked about being gay in Ireland and seeing the change and all that stuff but I never I never had rigour in my talks I never had actual cheat you know leave them with a little three things you can do to be a better ally as for that so my, I was telling her this over coffee and she was like study it so we did a masters two and a half years ago and so now I mean I'm just back I was in the UK for the day last week uh, little Europe flew me over and I did their masters their their management conference and and did Amazing. a keynote about equality diversity inclusion and as Irish people it's not even about being gay it's about being Irish what we've come through from all of the rights that we've experienced that we have been the change seen the change and lived the change yeah. we have Lots, we are we are yeah. such a beacon of hope especially for women oppressed in other parts of the world to show that actually dogma doctrine religious oppression can be relieved within 20 years it can change like we change so fast, yeah, really fast like we yeah. most of us will remember a different time in, in our country when that judgment was accepted yeah. when we, we worried about what the neighbours taught when we really did worry about what the what the priests thought every family was concerned with that that's changed I mean for good or bad but it has changed so I love doing those talks they're really they're very exciting and I'm very proud to be Irish and and so what better place or base to do it from than this space which is Ireland this space look how we got space 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 I love it you're brilliant you're back for series three definitely I'm out of a gig look what you've done but I'll be live from space (laughs) (laughs) no listen it's absolutely wonderful I think we're nearly out of time sadly unless you've one more question I do and what have been your standout moments in your career oh good one or just one, even. If there's, there's probably too many. He's so, there's so many. Presenting an IFTA with black eye just before the marriage equality referendum and mm. not realising how much of an impact that would have on the referendum. Mortified. Got, I got attacked on Georgia Street. This guy shouted faggot, punched me in the eye. Next mm. day, I mean, I was fine. He ran off. I was with friends. It was like I wasn't like down a dark alleyway or set up on. But I, I had to go to the IFTAs and we, you were at as well. I was, And yeah. um, I had a big black eye. And you couldn't really see it on the way in because it was dark on the way in. Yeah. It was kind of moody. Then when we got on stage, it was like really obvious. And the next day I was on the cover of every single newspaper. And it was the, the, the lowest, but also the highest point of my life in that it was terrifying to see that. And also, of course, papers reported in a very dramatic way. Course, so yeah. uh, people were ringing me from Australia and America and going, are you OK? We've heard there. And I was like, look, I just got punched in the gob. It happens every Saturday night to lots of people. I mean, I'm not, I'm not thrilled about it. And I, sad, I, But yeah. the outpouring of our allies, of people like my friends like you who said I didn't know that still happens and yeah. I was like yeah it does still happen and I happen, believe though. it really yeah. moved the dial in how people think culturally about Ireland so it was a high point and a low point uh, it's disgraceful but thank you for bringing it to our attention yeah. we have a quick fire entertainment round they're kind of one word answers but anyone that's been doing them has been an absolute ridiculousness haven't they they've, yeah. kept, they've kept going and everything you know in between but okay, I think I'll try and give you one word right? try do the one word off you go Natasha let's go what is the one lesson that you wish you'd known earlier in your career? Don't care what anybody thinks. That's what Jennifer Aniston said in Vanity Fair. That's, uh, that's the biggest lesson in life because people don't care. They, don't <laughs> they only do. care about their own kids and just about. <laughs> people are more concerned about what they're going to eat next than your career. So true. <laughs> Think about it. Um, what is your travel space that you love the most or where have you travelled to that you love the most? I go to Greece every year on Island Hop. I've done 50, 58 islands now. I did five islands in July. In July. So Greece is my absolute happy place. Yeah. I love Greece. And I just and we and my key is the bag I have with me today is the bag I bring. 
having one pair of shorts, one pair of flip flops, and one t shirt. That's it. Amazing. I'm stinking by the end. <laughs> I was going to say, you need to pack for any island up with Brendan. Yeah. So, what's one thing about you that people don't know that they'd be surprised to know? I'm quite Train bitchy. I'm quite side. bitchy. You're bitchy? <laughs> yeah, I am. I like oh, it. Uh, no. In a good way. Like, in I a like, good way. I like a good gossip. Okay. okay. Who doesn't? I mean, who doesn't? You're yeah. Irish. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Brendan is bitchy. And, uh, <laughs> no, nobody's surprised at <laughs> <about> that. <laughs> what is the most challenging space that you've ever been in? School, secondary, my first secondary school, I went to Gale School and I was so fey and so obviously gay. My mother sent me to school with a blonde page boy. I mean, they were like, are you a boy or a girl? Like, and it was tough. I was really badly bullied. But I, I left that school myself. I walked out of that school and never went back. Okay. So I had the confidence to do it. And then off I went to a great school after that. But that space is still... It's uh, somewhere. It yeah, it's, it's yeah. somewhere, yeah. Well, it, it makes me very defensive if I see any sort of bullying or any sort of, you know, manipulation by one person over another, I'm like straight in there. I get very emotional about that. Okay, yeah. very good answer. Right. What's a bad habit, habit that you'd like to break? Bad habit. Bad. I'm, oh, this is weird. And you will love this as an interior person. <laughs> I'm excited. I change my base sheet on my bed every day. What? Yeah, I change the sheet every day. Because you must have the washing machine on every day. Well, well, no, because I just wait till they pile up and then oh, I wash them. Now, I try not to because I, it's not good for the environment. I know, I get it. But uh, it's a sleep pattern that I get into and I've been having to get up early. So my, my perfect sleep routine is clean sheets and a shower. I love clean sheets. Totally Who doesn't love it. clean I sheets? It. I get yeah. it. Yeah. So, and Adam lets the dog sleep in the bed. So yeah. <laughs> And the dog was meant to come today. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I missed the dog. That's okay. Next question. So who was your favourite fashion designer or TV personality growing up? Oh, growing up. Wow. Okay. So Yves Saint Laurent, definitely. And my mother introduced us to him when we were kids. Imagine she was really into it. Switzer's was the shop she used to go to. And we started to see these glamorous designs. And mum would go and try them on, like, even though she never bought them. But yeah, but she bought a Chanel suit when I was about 12. And and it was called the the Chanel suit. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Because it was amazing. like four hundred and fifty pounds wow. in, the, like the, in 1982 or something, you know. But mm. it was royal blue, little fitted jacket, and a little Leyland skirt. I remember it really well. So yeah, probably Chanel. So lovely. And um, if you weren't pursuing your career now, what would you be doing? I, I would have been a doctor. I'm very at home in hospitals. I always think I would have been a doctor. Yeah. That's merely more surprising to me than the answer about what would people what would people be surprised about. Uh, yeah, I would have been. My mum really, really wanted me to be a, a doctor. doctor. Yeah, I and but can you, imagine you coming in. I would. Yeah, I would have been Dr. a doctor. Courtney. Yeah, doctor Court. Yeah, I even played with the idea of going back and doing medicine about fifteen years ago. Wow. But, the, but then I am a bit squeamish. Way. I'm a bit squeamish, though. So I thought oh, there's too much glares of sh- nonsense going on in my head about this. But yeah, when I'm in the hospital, either visiting or for you know for myself or a checkup, I always go. I'm very comfortable here. I always yeah. feel yeah. yeah. Most people hate hospitals. I think he's very comfortable in the red velvet oh, yeah. seats of the Dublin. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, uh, my question, I suppose, is a future space that you'd like to live in or be in. What I have. I started to build for myself a view of the sea and it's literally a 10 minute walk to the sea which I absolutely love and I think you know that horrible lockdown time was introduced Ireland Irish people went oh that's actually the sea we, we should use that we actually <laughs> totally. we stopped being ashamed of being Irish we were being in the 80s in Ireland you left everybody left 90s everybody left we were kind of embarrassed about being Irish it was a bit of a backwater now I think this is like 
I would say it's like New Zealand without the attitude. You know, it's like a very nice, easy place to live now. And we, and we get it. And that's what, really by the sea is what I love. Lovely. Yeah. Beautiful answer. What's a trend that you think never goes out of style? Navy. Uh, I was going to say. <laughs> Navy. Uh, a trend that never goes out of style. God, everything changes. You, the, the one thing you think is going to stay evolves, you know. Mm. All, all, all the uh, young lads are in super tight jeans. I mean, they laughed at me for wearing tight jeans a few years ago. And now I wear really loose wide pants. You know, it's yeah, a, you are today, they're starting out all sure. relaxed, loose and comfortable. I think the one thing that never goes out of style is looking comfortable. I think if you're if you if you're uncomfortable, you look uncomfortable, yeah. and that just gets on everyone's nerves, including yourself mostly. You know, so being comfortable, I think, is one thing that never goes out of style. Oh, lovely. Well, our final question of today. Sad to see you go. What has been your biggest accomplishment? Staying connected with the same group of friends, I think, and and riding waves with friends that have you know there's ups and downs in mm-hmm. relationships. So sure. I think you know valuing. Good people, I think, and and making sure you nourish those friendships, I think, is my biggest accomplishment. Brandon. Darling. Oh, <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. you just love them? <laughs> Brandon, thank, thank you, you so, so much. Thank you. So excited for your interiors collection yes, yes. and design. Oh, yeah. the next step. I'll, send, and I'll send you a load of it. <laughs> yes, and you have your own free interior yes, design absolutely. room. Absolutely. So so I can't do anything to help. I'll just come and have a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. perfect. Brandon, thank you so much thank for taking so the time much. to be It was wonderful. Thank you so thank much. You very much. Thank you. We loved having you on. Thank you. For more on Brendan and his upcoming shows and projects, check out brendancourtney.com. This episode was sponsored by Cucina Lube Kitchens Ireland. Check out their latest collections at cucinalube.ie. And if you want to keep up with the latest from Space to Grow, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Space to Grow.